Jesus with gifts upon uh, his served for royalty. And the value of um, these extravagant gifts, these, um, these extravagant gifts would have been way beyond what Mary and Joseph would have normally been used to. This is probably, as Chanel was talking about, teenagers here. We're talking about teenagers um, who were living in poverty. Um, and we know that they were uh, most likely poor because when Jesus is dedicated at the temple, they buy two doves as the sacrifice. And that was the sacrifice that was given for those who could not afford the, uh, uh, the lamb sacrifice. So that is quite significant. Um, here, Mary and Joseph are given these gifts fit for a king. She expanded on the differences then between the perceptions we have between living in a democracy and living in a monarchy or a kingship and the difference to how we perceive things as to how God has established things. Charles then spoke on the gift of frankincense, a symbol of worship and deity, a, a resin that was used to worship um, uh, deities in that um, era. Frankincense was used in ceremonial worship. He pointed it pointed to this newborn child's heavenly origin, his worthiness to be worshipped, that he was both God and man. Emmanuel, as the angel said, God with us, that this was a child worthy of our worship. And then Amy last week brought a significant and absolutely fantastic message around the gift of myrrh, a symbol of suffering and death. Myrrh seems like an odd gift to give to a baby. I certainly wouldn't be grateful for it at the birth of a child. And, and uh, with the birth of your beautiful child, here's a burial spice. It'd be like someone carrying a coffin in to your, your birth and going, here you go. But uh, it's... Thank you. I know it's expensive, but I don't want it. It's an unusual gift, but it has significance in the symbology here. This child was one who would bear suffering, who would die for humanity, and who would enter into our suffering. And she gave us some very, very practical tools to help us walk with those who are suffering better. The symbolism of each of these gifts is significant and interesting, but I think the most significant thing about all of this is this. They came, they sought him out, they opened their treasures, and they gave gifts that were fit for a king, and then they bowed down and they worshipped him. The most significant thing is they searched, they found, they gave, and they worshipped Emmanuel. That is the significance of these magi from the east, because it confirms to us, it confirms to us who this child was. This was not simply just a king. This wasn't just a king 
of men who would die and be forgotten in the, in the halls of history. This was not simply a priest who was there to bring religious ceremony. This was not simply just a prophet who was there to bring a word about the future. This was not simply a good man who did some nice things and had some wisdom who history remembers as someone who had some nice ideas that, that were pretty transformative. No, this was a man who from birth was adorned with the title of Emmanuel, God with us. And his coming the coming of Emmanuel that reverberated to the far reaches of the, the world, that even pagan scholars, even magi, men who didn't know the history of the Jewish uh, story, who probably had never picked up a Torah, these men who knew no idea of the prophecies of Isaiah, these pagan scholars, even heard the reverberations and came to worship Him. The child we celebrate at Christmas is significant because He was and is God with us. The child would grow into a man who would bear the sin and suffering of the world. And the God who put on flesh and came to us 2,000 years ago hasn't left us as orphans. He comes day after day, God with us. Well, that's some dramatic music. What gift would I give to honour a king? Let's go back to these gifts of the Magi. What gift would you give to honour a king? Especially if some king, queen, monarch of some variety, important politician came knock, knocking on your door. Well, I'd be terrible in this situation. I know I'd be terrible in this situation because I just don't do well with famous people. I mean, we were at a concert um, the other day, and uh, a kind of B-grade celebrity was there, um, uh, Robert Millsy Mills, um, and I was sitting at, at a table going, oh, that's, a, that's Robert Millsy Mills. Oh, I'm a bit, a bit, bit in awe. I had an occasion just a few weeks ago where um, I was walking out of Maya. Um, we're, going to take, we're going to take Scout to see uh, the Maya uh, Christmas windows, but there was a line to get into the line, and I didn't want to do that, so I decided to come back during the week, and um, that was a complete fail because when I came back during the week, there was a line to get into the line to get in the line, so there were three lines, so I, I failed at uh, uh, missing the lines. Anyway, walking out of Maya, and there is Poe, the, the cook Poe from MasterChef, and she says, oh, wow, your daughter's eyes are so beautiful, so cute. And I just stood there like, just aghast. Another occasion I was walking down. These are, these are the very few moments that Nathan's had interactions with celebrities. 
was walking down a street in Richmond. I was actually walking uh, to Bible College at the time and walking down and there's Molly Meldrum painting the front of his house. He's painting something on the front there and uh, I'm walking past. He's right there. He's even wearing the hat. Like it's full. This is, I don't know if Molly goes out without the hat. He probably doesn't. Anyway, I'm walking past. This is before the the latter incident. Um, It's kind of disappeared from view. But at that point in time, he was still on telly and whatnot. And I said, you're Molly Meldrum. (laughs) And he kind of looked at me like, yep. (laughs) Waited for me to say something else. And I, I wouldn't be good in a situation where a monarch came to the door. I'd uh, I'd be um, gobsmacked or just kind of standing there like a stunned mullet, uh, more more likely. Um, But if a king or queen was to knock on your door, if a monarch was to knock on your door, what would would you do at that moment? Dan, what would you do if a monarch knocked on your door? Stare, you'd just look at him, look at her in the face and say, hey, the gift Dan gives is staring. It's because he's handsome and it is a gift just to look at his visage. Chris, what would you give a monarch if they knocked on your door? So the gift Chris would give a monarch is asking for their autograph. That's... Uh, I feel like that's a gift in itself. If someone came up to me and said, oh, can I have your autograph? I'd feel like, oh, I've done something right. Diane, what would you give to a, to a queen or a king that knocked on your door? Curtsy or something? <laughs> you know, Simon, what would you do if a monarch knocked on your door? Can I help you? Your answer has been the most helpful so far. Um, (laughs) Everyone else is curtsying, Dan staring, Chris is, you know, asking for autographs. So you've given the most so far. This is the thing, right? This is what we don't understand in our democratic culture, we have very little respect for our politicians, do we? We don't have very high estimation of them. Considering it myself, what would I do if a, if a monarch knocked on my door? Well, I don't know what I'd do. I certainly wouldn't bow down and worship them. Forget that. They're, they're not getting that. I doubt I would actually give them any gifts. I would probably do what Dan said he would do is kind of stare at them and not know, maybe, maybe offer them a cup of tea as um, Diane would. But in reality, the gift that I would give them would likely be doe-eyed bewilderment, <laughs> coupled probably with eviscerating inner talk. You know, that eviscerating inner thing, I'd tell them about all the troubles in the world and all the things they've done wrong, and, but I'd never have the courage to speak it. It would be inside and then afterwards when... When they leave, I would say to Chanel, you know, I should have said this. It was in here. I want to, I want to. I'd never say it to their face. You know, it's quite likely if a king was born in my neighborhood, I wouldn't buy gifts. I wouldn't seek them out. I probably wouldn't care less. And if a king is born in a far off land, well, I probably wouldn't even know about it. My reaction would probably be nothing. I mean, I'm not following the, the story of 
princess that came from Tasmania and went to Denmark. I was going to say Deutschland, but that's Germany. Or the, the other one that married the Charles boy, William. I don't, know, I don't care less, right? Here, we wouldn't even know. But here we're reading about a story where God puts on flesh and moves into the neighborhood. And Magi seek him out, open their treasures to him, and bow down and worship him. We need to ask ourselves the question, do we care enough to search out this God who is with us? The Magi recognized the significance of Christ's birth and sought him out. Do we recognize the significance of Christ's coming? Do we seek him out? And if he was to walk into the room today, what is it that we would do? Would we bow down and worship him? Would we look at him with doe-eyed bewilderment? Or would we just have an eviscerating inner talk about all the bad things that are happening in the world? Many of us here in the room would pour out our treasures should Jesus walk into the room. For many We would shower gifts upon him. Others would fall down in worship. We would present ourselves in a certain way. We would speak in a certain way because we're in. Scout, is your dress off right now? She does have a mother. And uh, should uh, um, Jesus walk into the room, Scout might take her skirt off, which is uh, (laughs) concerning. We would react in a certain way because we are in the presence of God. We are in presence of a king. So if Jesus is with us. Shouldn't we live our lives as if He is with us? If He is with us, what should we be giving Him every single day? If we were to open our treasures to Him, what would we have to give to Him? We all have something of value to give. And maybe that is our wealth. For the wise men, the gifts were certainly gifts of monetary value. How we use our wealth is is important. But it goes much deeper than that. The Magi gave what they had. They opened their treasures they opened what they had in their, at their disposal, in their possession. When we look at giving gifts, your thoughts shouldn't always turn to money. Because often we hear about giving gifts and we turn to cash. Cash money, give me cash money. I want gifts of worth. But biblical gifts 
are more than that. They're the talents, the abilities, the things that God has put within you. These are the things at your disposal. What is God calling you to bring to him today? The Magi gave him gold, a, single, a symbol of ki- uh, kingship. We acknowledge Jesus as King of Kings when we serve others. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says that each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. In serving others, we acknowledge Jesus' kingship because it is as if we are serving him. In living by his laws and mandates, we acknowledge his kingship. And we know that his kingdom shall reign forever. And this year, as you're listening to Carols by Candlelight and they play the Hallelujah Chorus and you're wondering why the heck are they playing this random song by Handel? They're going, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. If you actually listen to the lyrics, it's very hard to hear the lyrics, by the way. You know, people, people talk about death metal being hard to understand. Oh, come on. You ever listen to opera? I don't know what the heck is going on. Anyway, rant over. As you listen to that, you may miss it that it's the core message of Revelation 11.15 that's being sung, that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. This Christmas, who can we serve? Who can we extend a helping hand to? How can we extend God's kingdom, serve His kingdom by serving others this Christmas? Is there someone whose lawn you can mow, who can't mow their lawn themselves? Is there someone you can cook a meal for who is living uh, unable to afford meals or living with difficulty? Is there someone you can invite to your Christmas um, uh, lunch who doesn't have anywhere to go? Is there someone uh, who you can look after and serve? Because if you want to serve God's kingdom, if you want to live in God's kingdom, if you want to live by His mandates and laws, then we need to serve others. That is how we uh, honour Jesus as King. We honour Jesus as King by doing what He said to do. If you want to dishonour the law uh, and break the law, then you don't honour the people who are in charge. Isn't that right? If I break the law, then I am saying I don't care about the lawmaker. And so if we're living in the kingdom of God, then we need to do as God says. So let's serve others at Christmas. The Magi gave uh, the gift of frankincense, a symbol of his deity, his place as God and his worthiness to be worshipped. We acknowledge Jesus as Lord of Lords when we offer Him our praise and our worship, when we put no other God before Him, when we earnestly seek Him, when we acknowledge Him as our Saviour, when we sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and wealth and wisdom, strength and honour and glory and praise. 
We honour God when we join in song with the heavens and sing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Jesus is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our honour. He is worthy of our adoration. He is worthy of every adornment we can lay upon His name. Everything that we can lay down to worship Him, He is worthy of that. This Christmas, how will we honour Jesus with our words? How will we honour Jesus with our voice? How will we honour Jesus with our actions? How will we honour Jesus with our witness? How will we honour Jesus with our worship? He is worthy of every ounce of adoration. Micah, if I can get you to come back up. The thing is this, we will happily give Jesus our wealth. Most of us will happily give Jesus our service, our gifts of gold. Most of us will happily turn those things over to Jesus and acknowledge Him as King. We will acknowledge Him with our gifts of frankincense, our words, our worship, our love for Him. We'll want to exalt Him with our voice at Christmas. If we know Jesus, we want to exalt His name. Our worship, our praise. But would we also give Him our gift of myrrh? A gift of suffering and a gift of death. Jesus came to absorb our suffering and our pain. We can pour out gifts fit for a king, gifts fit for God, but do we also bring to him the baggage? the garbage, the stuff that we don't like, the stuff that He promised to bear for us. It's very easy to forget. It's very easy to forget at this time of year where we're singing things about snow, which doesn't really apply, and jingling bells and Santa and all that kind of thing and we're singing lovely songs about a baby you know about this gentle quiet baby here's an actual thing for you Um, Jesus actually cried like he wasn't just some babe who sat in the manger going in every way he was a man he came into mess And it's easy to forget that that child born on Christmas leads directly to the cross. The cross was the point of Him coming. Jesus came to suffer for those who are suffering. Jesus came to die for those who are dying. 
He came to take unto Himself the weight of sin. The wrath of God would be poured out onto Him. The anger of God would be poured out onto Him so all may be made clean. This Christmas, will we come to God and King and present Him with our sin? Will we open up what we have and present Him with our hurts? Will we open up what we have and present Him with our sickness? Will we open up what we have and present Him with our brokenness? Because it's been a tough couple of years. It hasn't been an easy couple of years. You know, COVID has done a number on our churches. It's done a number on our family relationships. It's done a number on our friendships. I mean, it's done a number on social media. Like, it used to be fun to go on social media and you'd, you know, super poke someone and they'd super poke you back and it'd just be super poke city. Now you go on Facebook and you get really angry and you write an angry message to someone. You have an argument with someone that you formerly really liked and then you never speak to them again. I mean, it's been a tough couple of years, right? There's divisions emerging that will be hard to reconcile as time goes on. There's difficulty upon difficulty that we've gone through. We've gone through lockdowns. We've gone through, you know, people being sick. We've gone through uh, hospitals um, getting overwhelmed and a lot of fear and a lot of this stuff and a lot of opinion. It's been a tough few years. And on top of this, we've been dealing with our own things, our own worries, our own personal issues, our own personal griefs. You know, in the past year or two alone for me, you know, I had two friends that I was formerly very close to and one who was one of my best friends who I was estranged from. You know, they passed away. It's just a very strange time of grief and unable to honour these, these people at all, not able to attend a funeral, maybe not even welcome to attend a funeral. And just living with the grief of that on top of lockdowns and arguments and family divisions. You know, in the past few months, Chanel lost a baby. And the pain of, of that piled onto the, the grief of everything else that we've been living through. I don't say that for your sympathy. But I say it because I know in every one of our lives, and as I've spoken to different people, there has been grief layered on grief, layered with division, layered with fear, layered with hurt. But there is good news. There is good news. There is a God who is here in the midst of a world that's in political turmoil in the midst of a world that's in political upheaval there is a king whose kingdom will see no end 
in the midst of a world that finds itself morally adrift, struggling for purpose and meaning, there is a God who is a firm foundation. And in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our pain, there is a God who is with us, with us. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Because I think in pain, in hurt, the single most thing that we want is someone just to be with us. Monarchs, kings, politicians, whatever they might say, they're not suffering with the people. In most religions, the idea of God is distant, displeased, vengeful, looking to punish. But Jesus is born in a stable to a pair of probably teenagers and He enters into our garbage, our mess. He's with us in our mess. Unlike a king or a distant deity, He is with us. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that comforting? You might be standing in amongst a massive mess, the world uh, of mess that you might have created of your own self, but He's in there, in our troubles, with us. Jesus came as King of kings, Lord of lords, worthy of being served as a king, worthy of being worshipped as a God, but He came for our garbage. It's written like this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to to present you as holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. This is the gift that we're given by the God who is with us, the gift of presence. And He bears all of that garbage, all that rubbish that we carry around with us. He takes that garbage to Himself and He carries it. He carries it. And through His suffering and death, He presents us. He presents us to His Father as His treasure. That is the good news of Christmas. What will we hold on to and what will we give to the King of Kings? Are we prepared to give Him our gold, our frankincense? Are we prepared to give Him our myrrh? Wise men open their treasures to the King of Kings. What will we give to a king. I invite the band to come back up.